listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. Well, hello. Welcome to the Living Room. My name is Lauren. I am really excited to be here with you tonight. Thank you so much. Um, and we're starting a brand new series called The S Word. Not that one. That was last week. Uh, this is a new S word that we're talking about this week. We're talking about sin um, and temptation, which is really cool to me because if I'm being honest, I don't know if I have ever heard a series specifically on sin. So we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about this, um, and we're just going to talk about hey, how do we experience this life that Jesus wants us to experience to the full? How do we do that? Um, and how do we get there? So tonight we um, are going to be talking about fighting temptation. And here's the thing about tonight's conversation. I could be up here for hours and that would be miserable for multiple people for multiple reasons, me included. Um, and I would never be able to address every single person's temptation. I would never be able to talk about every single thing that every single person in this room is struggling with and is facing. So I'm not going to try to do that. And every week at TLR, I think small groups are incredibly important for a plethora of reasons, but especially in a series like this, because I'm not going to be able to address everyone's temptation, everyone's struggle. And so it's really up to you, if you're part of a small group, how honest you want to be. And I would say that your small group is hopefully an incredibly safe space for you to be as honest as possible and to not only find care and love, but to find accountability as well. And so my goal for tonight is just to set you up as best as possible for small group. But what you do after this is up to you um, as far as how honest you want to be with your group and how much you want to get out of this series. So tonight we're talking about fighting temptation. And what's cool about this topic is tonight it will obviously be faith-based conversation, but the topic of fighting temptation really doesn't have to be faith-based. It's a human desire to want to be better, to want to be stronger, to want to be able to say no to the things that you so badly want to say yes to. It's why the self-help industry is worth over $10 billion right now, because people are constantly wanting to buy books, to buy the program, to buy whatever they need in order to better themselves, in order to be stronger against temptation, in order to say no to things that they really want to say yes to. And if you've been on social media, you see this all the time now that people are building businesses based off of this human desire to want to be better. I love the TikToks that say, if you want to be a morning person, I'm like, well, first of all, I don't. So I keep scrolling. But then there's TikToks that are like, oh, you want to be better at finances. You want to be better at budgeting. Here's the first thing you need to do. You need to buy my Google Sheet template for $30, and that's all you need. I'm like, well, I didn't budget that. I don't want your Google Sheet template. And maybe, just maybe, that template would actually make me better at budgeting and make me better at my finances, maybe, but I don't want to spend my $30 on that. And I think for a lot of us, we don't want to spend our money, we don't want to spend our energy on things that will actually make us better in the long term. We would rather spend our money on things that would bring us happiness, bring us satisfaction, in the short term. Never once have I watched a Planet Fitness commercial and thought, 
I am tempted to go work out. That's never happened to me. But I have been tempted to go to Dairy Queen after I see the commercials about their summer blizzard lineup. I want to try all of them, especially the puppy chow one. So that is a temptation to me, not the Planet Fitness commercial. Even though I love Jake from State Farm, I've never thought once after watching a commercial thinking, I should look into my car insurance and see if I'm getting the best deal. I don't know. I signed up with some guy when I was 24, and I've just been paying the same thing every month, and I hope it works out in the long term. But when I see an Apple Watch commercial, I'm like, maybe I need a new one. Even though I'm convinced they're all the same, I would like something new. It, because it's that short-term satisfaction I want. Obviously, we could all answer that the better choice there would be to look into my car insurance that now I feel really convicted to do because thinking that I haven't looked into it since I was 24 is a little concerning. But we want the new thing, the thing that will bring us happiness, contentment, whatever that looks like, whatever you think it looks like in this moment. We're not always thinking about long term. And that is really when we talk about temptation, what I'm talking about is the desire to pursue the short term over the long term. The desire to pursue what I want now instead of what I would like later in life, the things I would like to work towards. When I get paid, I usually don't think, oh, yes, I can invest so much this month. Instead, I think, yes, I can go to Cheesecake Factory and not look at the prices. That's exciting. Or, yes, I can walk around Target and just see what draws my eye. I can just spend the money on fun things. I'm not really thinking about the long term in that moment because I just want what I want then. And that is how temptation works for a lot of us. We just see something we want and we move towards it. But there has to be more to that, right? There has to be more to temptation on how it works and why it entices us and why we struggle with it. And so for the beginning of this, we're going to be in the book of James. And James kicks off this book with writing that or was saying that he is writing to the 12 tribes that have been scattered among the nations. So they have endured hardships and trials of all kinds. And he says this in the very beginning of the chapter, and you might've heard this verse before. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And you might say, well, Lauren, he's not saying Temptation, he's saying trials, which is true. However, if we're being really honest with ourselves, temptation can feel like a trial, because it is. And it can feel like a hardship, because it is. And it's something we face every single day for the rest of our lives, and we don't want to call it a trial, we don't want to call it a hardship, because that might mean we actually have a problem. And when it comes to temptation, I think what a lot of us try to do, I know what I try to do, is I try to downplay it. It's really not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. I can handle it. It's fine. So to call it a trial would be insane. I don't want to do that. But if this is something that we're going to be fighting against, battling for our entire lives, it's okay if it feels like a hardship to you. It's okay if it feels like a trial. And the truth is, is that temptation has the power to and will most likely challenge and test your faith. And so the first thing that we need to do when it comes to temptation, the first thing that we need to do as we enter into this series is to acknowledge that temptation is real and that it is challenging. And James goes on later in the same chapter, and he talks um, specifically about temptation. He says this, when tempted, when tempted, 
No one should say, God is tempting me. No one should say that. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And I've heard people say that before. I've heard that. I've probably said that before too, that, oh, God's just tempting me. But that's not true. God is for us. God wants us to fight against sin. God sent his son to die for us so we have the power to overcome sin. So I don't know why he would be tempting us with sin. That's not true. So why are we feeling tempted? Well, James goes on, he says this, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away. What a visual. Dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. I tempt me. You tempt you. The evil in us wants to drag us towards the sin that is so enticing. And therefore, we face temptation. And James goes on to explain a little more. He says this, he says, then after desire, that desire in you, after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And that last part that gives birth to death is an interesting phrase, right? You might hear that and you're like, oh, sounds not fun. Um, and it's also it's kind of a complex idea. Like, does that just mean hell? What does that mean? What are we talking about? Well, literally a couple hours ago, I was on Instagram and I came across this quote that I thought, man, that is so good and so helpful for tonight. And it might feel a little out of left field because they're talking about um, Easter specifically, they're talking about Judas, but I think this last part is just so, so uh, great, and I'm going to be thinking about it for a while, but she says, Judas's betrayal of Jesus was not spontaneous. He had been stealing from Jesus, so this was the culmination of a pattern. It's a sobering reminder. The death that results from sin is not always visible at first. Very often, the first thing that dies is our conviction about it. And so James is saying, hey, this unchecked temptation becomes sin. And if that sin also goes unchecked and unconfessed, it will result in death. A death of your conviction a death of the moral compass, whatever you want to call it, a death of the care that you once had, a separation, a death will be born. And that sounds like no fun to me. But that's what happens when we face temptation. But the thing is, is that, and what I want to be really clear about tonight is because this is going to carry over in the next couple weeks, is that a lot of times we use the words temptation and sin interchangeably. We think they're the same thing, but they're not. Temptation and sin are two separate things. Temptation is what leads you to sin. Temptation comes first. And for some of us, and I know me included, when I'm tempted, I think I had lost the battle. Just having that temptation, I think, well, I'm out, I'm done, I was tempted, it's over. Might as well give in. But when you face temptation, that is when the battle actually begins. 
And I don't know if we always think about it that way. I think when we think about temptation, we think, for me, I think I got to run in the opposite direction and ignore it. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to address it. It's fine. It will go away. I'm a human. It's just what happens. Or we think, well, I'm already here. And we surrender to that temptation and we give into it. But for followers of Jesus, temptation will happen because we're humans who live in a broken world. But what we do with that temptation and how we view that temptation is so important and matters so much. You see, temptation is just a trap that hasn't been triggered yet. Temptation is a trap that hasn't been triggered yet. And the thing about traps is that if you can spot them, you can avoid them. If you know how to find them, you can walk around them. You can maneuver your way around the trap. But in order to spot them, we have to change our thinking. Because sometimes when we face temptation, our thinking is, well, it would just be one time. It would make for a great story. I'm probably going to marry them anyway. It's just one drink. What's the worst that could happen? I'm already here. What's done is done. But instead of that thinking, we have to change it to, okay, yeah, all those things, but this is a trap. And if I know anything about traps, they don't typically end well. Some behind the scenes for you. Brown's Bridge has had a mouse problem. Don't worry, uh, it's mainly just been upstairs in the offices and in this room. Um, <laughs> they're gonna come out now. Um, we, about a year ago, this is a true story, I promise you. Uh, about a year ago, we have cubes upstairs in our offices. And some of us who were in one section of cubicles discovered that um, a lot of receipts were getting chewed up. And there was like poop everywhere, which was weird. Uh, and <laughs> it was this funny moment where we were all like, hey, does anyone else notice some things <laughs> that are different? And one by one, we realized that there's a mouse living in the wall of one of our cubicle sections and just going up and down and getting into all of our file cabinets and just, I mean, wreaking havoc. It, I, my uh, resident at the time had a stack of our, like, our volunteer shirts, brand new, they were great, mouse pooped all over him. Uh, the mouse ate a mirror I had, which felt not fun for the mouse. Um, and I was so scared I was going to get audited because all my receipts had been chewed up, and I just didn't know if the IRS was going to go for that. But luckily that didn't happen. So we start putting traps out, right? And it was like these sticky traps, and we would put half a Reese's cup on there, and we just lay them around in everyone's uh, cabinets. And lo and behold, uh, the mouse picked mine to die in. So I, thank God, was late to work one day. And so my boss got there, uh, Nathan, got there before me, and he walked in and sent me a video, and he heard something in the cabinet, and he pulled the drawer out, and there was the mouse, like, all stuck to the thing, <laughs> and sent me the video. And we thought about showing it tonight, but I didn't know if that would, like, be offensive to someone, so we didn't. But I have it, though, if you want it. Um, I don't know what happened to the mouse after that. I didn't want to know, but it's no longer there. And I kept thinking, when they were putting the traps out, I was like, no way. 
no way this is going to work. Like, this mouse is smart now. It's been running up and down these streets for like two months. It's figured it out. But it really wanted a Reese's peanut butter cup. And I thought that was the stupidest thing that the mouse could do. But if we're being really honest, you know where this is going. We're going to catch some mice tonight. No, I'm kidding. Um, if we're being really honest with ourselves, when temptation comes our way, it usually looks like a treat. And I got the Easter Reese's because they're the better ones. Um, it usually looks like this. And let me be very clear. I am not saying that treats are sin. I'm not saying desserts and candy are sin. This is just an analogy. What I am saying is when we face temptation, we've already decided that we want it. That it's enticing to us. But what we don't realize, man, we got so many mousetraps laying around here, it was easy to find them. Um, are y'all gonna come back now that you know there's mice everywhere? Don't answer all at once, sorry, Chelsea. Um, what we don't notice is that yes, this looks enticing, and yes, it looks like something we could get really quickly and we'd be happy with it, but it is in a trap. It is stuck in a trap, and what we don't pay attention to is the trap around what we want. And there's a way to maneuver around these. There's a way to spot them and work your way around the trap. We just have to be honest with ourselves when we spot them. Because a lot of times, we think, like maybe the mouse thought, that we can outsmart it. We can figure our way out. It'll be fine. What's the worst that can happen? The mouse died. That's what happened. <laughs> I'm not saying that will happen to you. But that's just life. But we see the trap and we think, no, we got it. I can figure it out. But time and time again, temptation will prove to you that there is a trap. And it is real. And you will get stuck. However, there's good news. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this. He says in chapter 10, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Which I love that verse. That, hey, what you're facing People have faced before. This is common. And God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Which the first time I remember reading that verse, I thought, well, that's a lie. <laughs> that can't be true. I have felt tempted more than I can bear, but then I have to step back, I have to be really honest with myself and think, was I actually tempted more than I could bear or did I just give in pretty quickly? And it's usually the latter. I didn't actually try to fight it. I didn't actually try to work against it. I didn't actually struggle with it and try to bear it. I just gave in. I surrendered to it. And so for a lot of us, we don't actually know how much we can bear because we surrender to it before we can find out. C.S. Lewis has this great quote where he says this. He says, a silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. 
I'm just going to read it from here. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That's just facts, right? You just don't know that. If you gave in to something in five minutes, you don't know what that would have felt like in an hour. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. The only complete realist. We don't struggle enough with temptation to know how much we can bear. If you want to know what it's like to really struggle with temptation, talk to someone who has an addiction that they are trying to live a sober lifestyle from. They wrestle with that temptation every minute of every day. And for us, for, uh, for me, I'll say for me. For me, it's like, oh, I just don't want to gossip today. And then, ah, oh, man, I gossip. But for other people, temptation is a life or death. We can bear more than we think we can. We can struggle with it more than we think we can. We can fight it more than we think we can. And the best part is that we have a Savior who can empathize with us because he felt every temptation we will ever face. He dealt with everyone, and yet he never gave in. He never surrendered to it. He never stopped fighting it. And instead, he died so that we could have the power to fight it as well. And so we have the resources to fight, Scripture says God knows how much we can bear. We just choose to give in. And sometimes that will happen. Sometimes we will give in and we will find ourselves in a trap. But Paul goes on to say this. He says, but when you are tempted, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. When you face temptation, there will always be a way out. There will always be a way around the trap. There will always be a way you can maneuver around it. But the question you have to answer for yourself is do you actually want a way out? And that's a hard question to answer. Because on paper, we can say, yeah, of course, duh. But in the moment, if someone were to ask you that, it might be a different answer. Do you actually want a way out? Do you actually want to know how to avoid the trap? Do you actually want to walk around it? Do you actually want to sacrifice the short-term satisfaction you might get for the long-term benefits of saying no? Do you actually want it? Because scripture is saying God will provide you a way out. You just have to be willing to walk around the trap. You have to be willing to say no to the treat, no to the thing that looks so enticing, no to the thing you want in that moment. And he'll provide you a way out. 
we're gonna continue this conversation over the next couple weeks, but there's three things I want you to do this week, specifically this week, so that next week you could come back and talk to your small groups about this and just see how it felt for the week. The first thing I want you to do is to make necessary changes. Change your thinking from what I said earlier to, oh, this is fun, it's just one time, it doesn't matter, they look great, I'll probably marry them anyway, it's just one drink, whatever, 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 to, but this is a trap and I will get stuck. Change your circle. You might have to say no to hanging out with some people this week. You might have to change who you spend time with this week. And change your environment. You may not be able to go where you have planned to go this week. And if you're going to make those changes, then you will also practice saying no. It's one of the best things you can do, just say no. I always love to remind myself no is a complete sentence. I can just say no. I don't have to give a reason. I don't have to tell people why. The answer is no. And you might need to say no to some people this week. And it might rub them the wrong way. And you can explain if you want. You're more than welcome to. But at the end of the day, you're also allowed to just say no. And you might need to say no to hanging out in your room alone with that person. You might need to say no to going out after dinner this weekend. But the more we say no to things that we know are a trap, the greater our self-control becomes and our desires also lessen for those things. And the third thing I want you to do is just ask for help. From your heavenly father, who loves you more than you can ever comprehend. Just to be real with him, to ask him for help, to ask for help from trusted people in your life. There's no shame in the struggle with temptation. Everybody struggles with it. And sometimes we downplay it too much, but there's no shame and saying, I'm struggling with this thing, I need help with it, I'm gonna start saying no, but I need someone to keep me accountable. Find someone who you can trust, who you can ask for help, and who will hold you accountable to making those necessary changes and to saying no. Just try it for a week. See how you feel.